Welcome to the Travel Companion Podcast. And special guest today is Dr. Harold Goodwin. Um, Dr. Goodwin has a lot of hats on, uh, Director of the Responsible Tourism Partnerships. He works for the World Travel Markets at WTM London and Africa. And he also chairs a panel of judges for the World Responsible Tourism Awards. And I spoke in episode five with Mani Mahash of the Green People and Gold Village, who was the winner of the Gold Award uh, for the World Responsible Tourism Awards. That was in 2019 in London, and it was under the category Best for Benefiting Local People. So we talk about responsible travel. We touch on organizations and people that are doing the right thing. And today we will talk with Dr. Goodwin about the work he does and the difference between responsible and sustainable travel. Um, I'm here today, Dr. Harold Goodwin, uh, Director of the uh, International Center for Responsible Tourism, um, co-founded ResponsibleTravel.com, uh, is also responsible in chairing the panel of judges for the World Tourism uh, Responsible Tourism Awards, uh, for one at the World Travel Markets in London, where I was a couple of months ago. Um, and you also uh, are, from what I understand, Emeritus Pro Professor uh, and Responsible Tourism Director at the Institute of Place Management at the Manchester uh, Metropolitan University. What have I missed so far? I think that's probably it, except to say that I'm um, a director of the Responsible Tourism Partnership, which is where I do most of my paid work these yep. days. Okay. And that I work for World Travel Market as their Responsible Tourism Advisor. Brilliant. And that is not only in London, right? That is um, uh, other that's areas as well. in London, Sao Paulo, um, Cape Town and Dubai. Cape Town even. Okay, I love Cape Town. I used to live there uh, for seven uh, seven years. Now, I understand that you um, research uh, on, on tourism, on local economic development, uh, poverty reduction, and um, that you do most of your promotion uh, of the concept of responsible tourism uh, through advocacy, uh, education, training, and research. Is that still correct, or is that outdated information that I have here? That is correct. And I mean, my ed educational work has really moved on from teaching master's students in universities mm -hmm. to now doing a kind of informal adult education through the panels we run right. at the World Travel Market um, shows and also by the international conferences that we still run uh, one or two a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, just just a question in between, by the way, because you might have seen in, in the newspapers uh, this morning, London locks down eight planes due to the suspected uh, coronavirus. Uh, London Underground is a hotbed for the coronavirus. Uh, they say, in general, uh, if a case is uh, in a densely populated area, then the risk of uh, sustained person-to-person -person transmission um, following is, is higher. And the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, which would start next week on the 24th of February, has been cancelled uh, because of the coronavirus. How will that influence uh, your work? And in particular, the World Responsible Tourism uh, Awards. Are you going to be at, for example, the um, Internationale Tourism Börse Berlin, the ITB, um, next month? No, or? I don't generally go to ITB. Um, I mean, at the moment, I'm not planning to curtail any of the very limited travel that I do, mm -hmm. um, I tend to stay away from London anyway. Right. Um, I'm lucky enough to live in a very attractive small market town. Right. Okay. Uh, How far from London is that? From London, so. Sorry. How far from London is that? 
50 miles. 50 miles, not, so not too far. It's about an hour on the, ra- on the rail, and yep. I always get a seat. So I reckon I'm a privileged commuter when I go into London. So you go always by train, basically, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. yes so that is, that is very good indeed. So but what is driving you? Because I saw a few of your, of your papers, and um, some of them are from all the way back from 2002, 2003. And that, that's quite a long time ago when not many people, as far as I know, were actually talking about responsible tourism, sustainable tourism. Well, it started for me when, I mean, my original career, my first career was in adult education. Mm-hmm. And I was traveling with relatively wealthy um, people who could afford to travel around the world and visit some of the world's most beautiful natural and cultural heritage sites. And mm-hmm. in the mid, well, the early 90s, really, we began to see those um, often lovingly embroidered or carefully painted slogans saying, take only photographs and leave only footprints. And I became quite irritated and then quite angry by that because here was I traveling with a group of relatively wealthy people into countries where the average wage is way below what it is in the UK. Mm-hmm. And we were having the great pleasure of enjoying the cultural and natural heritage of communities and societies who were paying for its upkeep. Yep. And it was quite clear right from the beginning that we weren't paying anything like enough in our entrance charges to be covering the costs of maintaining those those places. Right. So it became irritating to me that people thought it was okay to leave nothing but footprints. It seemed to me that as international tourists, we needed to be leaving behind money, not just with the international tour operator and with the airlines, but also with the local community and the places that we were visiting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, that makes total sense. And that means basically you, you're not uh, in favor of all-inclusive holidays, uh... Well, that depends. No, no, don't, don't, don't necessarily assume that. It depends how okay. the all-inclusive is done. Right. So if you take the Gambia, for example, where I've done quite a lot of work, mm-hmm. there's a lot of concern that the small businesses on the strip should um, be able to get lots of business because it's better that the money is spent in the local economy than it is in the resorts. Yeah. However, the counter-argument, and it does vary from business to business, Yeah that not all of those businesses on the strip in the Gambia will be paying a decent wage. Most of them won't be employing anybody full-time other than the owner, and the owner may well be an expatriate. Yeah. Whereas if people are working for um, a local employer in one of the resorts, they're much more likely to be on a salary, mm-hmm. much more likely to be regularly paid, and much more likely, actually, to be using locally produced liqueurs or local beer. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really a question of the detail rather than the general principle. And all-inclusive in, in um, Cuba, for example, yep. will be using local entertainers, local food, local booze, and local staff. Mm-hmm. Nearly all of the money spent on an all-inclusive in Cuba will be staying in Cuba. Yep. By comparison, an all-inclusive or an expensive all-inclusive which might be a safari in Africa, they're all inclusive, don't forget, may well be importing all the whiskey, importing all the vehicles, importing a lot of the uh, furnishings for the lodge, and actually very little going into the local economy. So it's more a matter of where the money actually goes than it is about whether it's all inclusive or not. Fair enough. And I've been to the to the Gambia 10 years ago. I think that wasn't all exclusive. I don't think we spent any money really outside of the uh, outside of the resort, which is really, really bad. Um, I would it say. is. But yeah. on the other hand, if the food you were eating there was mostly locally produced, if it was mm-hmm. local drinks and if all the staff were local, yeah. that might be better than a, a nice bar on the strip 
owned by an expatriate, buying imported food, buying imported booze, yeah. and actually not employing anybody. That makes sense. Circumstances yeah. alter cases. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely uh, definitely right. And then you mentioned to me in, in um, a brief conversation we had uh, previously on the phone that you would like to talk about the difference between um, responsible tourism and sustainable tourism. And you said that responsible tourism is totally different. It's not the same thing as sustainable tourism. And I think everyone really sees this as, as the same thing. Could you, could you tell me what you mean by the difference? Yeah, uh, nothing, I have to say, Peter, there's nothing irritates me more yeah. than that awful phrase you see where they say sustainable and responsible tourism. Okay. Let me explain why. Okay. Sustainability has not yet been adequately defined. I've heard it used merely to mean that the business expects still to be in business next year. Really, no more than that. Right. We haven't defined what we mean by sustainability. Mm-hmm. The other problem is that sustainability is a very broad concept. Okay. And you see that in the GSTC guidelines with their their scores of examples of what you need to do in order to be sustainable. Yeah. The third problem is that sustainability is really a rather abstract aspiration. Mm-hmm. So what what came out of the work that we did in South Africa with in the destination and the work we did with the Association of Independent Tour Operators? Yeah was in both cases, people were saying, look, we can we can see some local problems and we can address those problems and do something about it. Yeah. So the simplest way to understand the difference between responsible and sustainable is that responsible is about what you do yeah. and sustainable is what you're trying to achieve in the long run. So sustainability really, is the goal, uh, is that what you're saying? Sustainability is the goal and right. responsibility is the action. Uh-huh. And over the last 40 years, we've seen way too much emphasis on trying to include as much as possible in the goal and too little emphasis on the action. Right. So what we say to um, people who apply for the awards, what we say to people who ask us how to do responsible tourism, yeah. is we say, look, identify some issues in your local area that you can do something about. Mm-hmm. Work out what you can do on your own or with others. Do those things. Tell your customers and your suppliers what you're doing. Involve them in it. Mm -hmm. And then report back what you achieve by doing those things. Mm -hmm. And in that way, you are making a positive, definable contribution to -hmm. becoming more sustainable. So basically being responsible about making tourism travel more sustainable for to make it the goal, the end goal. But it's all about... The responsibility it's about what you do so, to what achieve doing. the goal. I mean, yep. at the moment, we have politicians announcing and corporate leaders announcing that by 2050, they'll be carbon neutral or, or carbon positive in yeah. some cases. These are meaningless <laughs> statements. Yeah. The people okay. making them will be long dead by 2050. Yeah. We need, we need to see what people are doing now mm-hmm. to make a difference. Do you think that people, when they say that, like, the, for example, British Airways said that, you know, 2050, uh, we're going to be uh, carbon uh, carbon neutral, and up at that time, we will do nothing but uh, uh, but use the fuel that we use right now, because there's no alternatives. Is that is that what you're saying, that you do not take the responsibility of actually achieving the goal uh, at that point? They really should be doing something now? Is, is, this, is that basically what you're saying? Or then We need to see a concrete plan mm-hmm. with definable targets yeah. year on year mm-hmm. showing how by 2050 they're going to have achieved what they say they're going to have achieved. Right. That, that, that yeah, makes sense. Of, yeah. mm-hmm. Peter, one of the things I've been saying to, um, to a lot of groups now is I put up a little timeline. Um, in, 90, in 1972, yeah, 
the, we had the first UN conference on man and the environment. All right. I was doing politics, including international politics, at one of the two or three best places in the UK to read politics in 72. Mm-hmm. It was not mentioned during my entire course. Right. That, so it has changed quite a bit since that time. Well, I'm not sure it has. 40 years on, yeah. we're at Rio plus 20. Yeah. We are still making almost no progress. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the academics in this, because they, they don't like me for saying this, but it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. If you look at the academia in this, 40 years on from identifying sustainability as a major can, challenge for our species, yeah. there is still no place in the in the research excellence framework mm-hmm. for any reporting of papers in sustainability. It's not a category in the research excellence framework. Mm-hmm. Well, how so would you change no, that? How do we change it? They yeah. need to change it. Because if they don't, we go on with that kind of work being undervalued. And the problem is that mm-hmm. sustainability is a multidisciplinary process. Mm-hmm. And where we've got to with our science is much of it's been developed by being focused on on relatively narrow issues. And we've made a lot of progress. You mm-hmm. know, there's the old joke about professors being people who, who know more and more about less and less mm-hmm. as they go up the tree. Okay. We need people who know more and more about more and more in order to be able to look at the totality, the holistic approach to how we achieve a sustainable world. Uh-huh. And we're not we're not creating those people. Right. What about uh, Greta, Greta, Greta Thunberg, who, who says, you know, I, I don't really like the conferences anymore because all you do is basically you talk, but you don't take action. Does there some correlation between what she is saying and what you are saying? Yes, I, I, I very rarely go to what would normally be called a conference at all. Mm-hmm. What we call the international conferences that we do are really quite small gatherings of people who are trying to work out how together they can take action in a particular place to do something about tackling the issues. Mm-hmm. We call them conferences because it makes it easier for get people to get funding to go to them, but they're not mm-hmm. in any traditional sense a, a conference. Right. It's just a meeting basically done. It's a meeting of people who want to meet together to work out how they can make a difference. To actually do something. To do something, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, Which is a... why we don't publish stuff coming out of those conferences very often. You, okay, but but you are obviously involved with um, the uh, the world travel market uh, to to a great extent, and you go to those conferences. Uh, there's there's a difference well, what not, they do, or, get, or is that the more? Don't forget, these are not conferences; these are trade shows where people are meeting to do business. So the people uh-huh. who are there yeah. are senior middle managers, consultants, people uh-huh. who are actually actively engaged in the industry. Yeah. And we put on the panel people who've done something interesting in the previous two or three years and get mm-hmm. them to talk about what they've done to make a difference. To make them influencers, basically, for other businesses yeah. to really follow. That makes total uh, total sense, indeed. And, and, and it's the same process in the awards, because what we're looking for is examples of good practice that we can then publicize and, and encourage others to do the same. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, I've read a few articles um, uh, from you. You say carbon offsetting. Uh, basically yeah. is a get-out-of-jail card. Now, I, I just did an interview two weeks ago, an uh, organization called uh, Explore, uh, first UK organization to offset all parts of travel. Um, so, but what you're saying is basically, and I, I, there was a parallel, that which I thought was quite quite interesting, uh, from a CEO uh, of an African safari, uh, who said that uh, buying an offset could be the same thing as finding a beggar causing him bodily harm and then giving him like $20 and thinking that all the bad things that he has done have gone away. 
Um, is that something that you think? Or um... Look, I think planting trees is a good idea. Okay. And I've planted over 100 now. Okay. Because I think it's a good thing to plant trees. Okay. I've done that in Canada, so yeah, I, I totally but agree. But does that yeah. do any good in terms of my carbon footprint? Not really. Yeah. It's going to take a very long time before those trees have absorbed the carbon that I've emitted through flying. Mm-hmm. Minimum of I mean, the problem years, is huh? the carbon dioxide is immediately out there in the atmosphere. Yeah. Only a fraction of that is going to get removed within about 30 years. It's going to hang around yeah. in the atmosphere, and mm-hmm. the trees will only take it out over a full lifetime. Take out a ton in a full lifetime of 100 years. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a long time before the carbon I've emitted gets removed by trees. Mm-hmm. And then there are all the problems about the quality of the offsets that you're buying. Right. So all I'm saying is that offsets are cheap, and you can see that if you compare different carbon offsetting companies and what they'll give you for for the carbon offset a trip to New York, which I did recently on a on a blog. And the the range is extraordinary. You can buy one as cheaply as six pounds a ton, or as expensively as twenty one pounds sixty six a ton. Mm-hmm. But you still can't be sure that that's really going to make a difference, and it certainly won't make that difference fast enough to remove the carbon that you've put out there. Right, okay. I actually did an interview as well with uh, Mani Mahash of uh, the Goat Village uh, in India. Uh, yeah. I believe he was uh, the winner uh, of the uh, Gold Awards, um, World they Response They did win the Gold Award, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very nice nice, nice interview. Why, why do you think that he was a winner? Uh, what was uh, special about his organization, if, if you still It was scale and the integration between sustainable agriculture with those communities and helping them to maintain their their goats, which are an important part of the economy of those villages. So it was the integrated approach between that and tourism with village homestays that attracted us to that. Yeah, I would love to hear more about it actually from them um, because they're going to uh, expand their program as well from what I understood. That's right, it's growing very quickly. For all of the awards that we give, we explain why the judges made the decisions. We're not saying that any one of those businesses is perfect, but we Mm -hmm. are saying that something they're doing is worth thinking about for replication. Yeah, they're making a difference, and they most certainly are inspiring for other organizations uh, within India, uh, for for certain, uh, from what I hear. Well, um, responsible tourism is growing very fast in India. Yeah. Yeah, you read about it. Uh, I've got uh, actually Google alerts, and every time I open that up, there's something about um, India in there. So I must yeah. must be from yeah. Kerala. <laughs> so uh, alternatives then to carbon offsetting. What should people do in, in, in instead? Well, the first thing to say is don't fly. Mm-hmm. If you are going, mind you, having said that, I once was one of only two or three people coming out of Leeds on the last train one weekday night that may have been the most carbon intensive journey that i've ever undertaken and that was on a train yeah so you know it it isn't none of this is simple and the the facts matter yeah but in general don't fly okay if you do fly fly direct try try to avoid having two takeoffs and, and landings in the same flight yeah certainly avoid having three so fly direct if you can Fly on a plane which is going to pack them in, so a budget airline or a charter flying direct mm-hmm. is going to be a better choice. Yeah. Um, choose a plane, a, a company which is taking it seriously to reduce what they, what they carry. Mm-hmm. How do you um, find out about that? That's very difficult. But yeah. the first two things you do control yourself. Yeah. 
um, who you choose to book with and choosing to fly direct. Those are the two things over which you have direct control. Normally it is more expensive though, isn't it, to fly direct? They always put like a surplus on their own cost on there. Not if you're flying budget or charter, they don't. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you can get a direct charter, if you get a direct charter flight yeah. or a budget line, you're probably going to fly more cheaply than you would if you were flying scheduled. Mm-hmm. I mean, BA will tell you that you, that you know economy in BA now can be quite cheap, but the problem is you're on a plane with a lot of business and first class passengers, so the amount of carbon per passenger on that plane yeah. will be greater than the amount of carbon per passenger on EasyJet or Ryanair or TUI. Because they take more space in the airplane, Because right? they take more space and they carry more different kinds of drinks and duty-free and all the rest of it. Right. Oh, okay. I didn't even know about that, actually. Uh, okay. That makes a difference as well, uh, what they carry. Uh, well, all the weight makes yeah. a difference to how much carbon the, bur- the plane is going to burn. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then another article uh, you say is the time to stop talking uh, about uh, climate change and you should talk about the consequences. Could you expand a little yeah. bit on that? Um, Do I need to this week? I mean, uh, the... Sorry, I say that because the amount of flooding we've got again. Sure. Um, but, you know, we've got places in Britain now who this year yeah. have got their second round of flooding and they're being told they're in a flood risk area once in 100 years. Mm-hmm. This is laughable. Uh, but we're still spending too much time talking about science and whether climate change is really happening. Mm-hmm. We need to start adjusting to the consequences for climate change, which is clearly already with us. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, I think, the point. You know, to, to, to be, still be discussing whether or not climate change is taking place mm-hmm. really is to be arguing about the number of angels on the pin or a needle. Mm-hmm. We need now to be focused on what we do about the change that's already with us as well as what we do to stop that change getting any worse. But climate change isn't not now a question of is it going to happen. Mm-hmm. It is clearly happening. Yeah, but we should talk, For stop example, talking where about it. For example, where I live in Parisham, yeah. on, yeah. on, on a very beautiful spot, on the marshes in East Kent, yeah. our coast is eroding. Yeah. The Environment Agency's maps show that there will be water lapping at my front door by 2050. Right. Yeah, this is no longer an abstract matter. It's, it's happening around us. Mm. Okay, Yeah. No, I, I understand. So we should really talk about what we should do and make, make action towards that. So I spoke last week with uh, Anna from Flight Free UK, who was... So who's who's influencing people basically to cut down on their flying and actually yeah. making a pledge to not fly for one year. And she was actually not saying don't travel. She was actually, I thought it was very inspirational. She said travel, but think about how you travel. And if you can, just take a train or take a bus uh, and just think of stay in your own country. Do you think that people should stay in the UK as well? Or? Yeah, as long as they don't go to the places that I go to. <laughs> yeah, I take most of my holidays. Where, where do in you the go UK. to? <laughs> I'm not telling you, but I do take most of my holidays in the UK, and I mostly yeah. take them by rail. Uh huh. Okay. Um, because the UK, is, I mean, I might hire a car when I get there, but yeah. but you know, driving around Britain is not a lot of fun. No, so, I've done that, and I sold my car. I didn't think it was fun at all. Do you, Do you have a car still? Or I do still have a car, but yeah. my wife and I share one car. Right. Okay. Um, we don't need two cars. Yep. Yeah. And certainly, we we mostly use the car very locally. We do very few miles a year. Okay. The um the the other thing that's worth thinking about actually, if we come back to what you can do individually to to think about your carbon. Yeah. If you are going to go f- to fly, then one of the things to think about is extending your trip so that you you might do two or three countries in the one flight, or you might spend 
a significant amount of time on that one holiday by concentrating your days mm-hmm. of holiday. One of the big problems at the moment is so many young people are, are, are just going off to Europe for the weekend, yeah. making multiple flights. And I understand why. Europe's an exciting place to visit. Yeah. But, but taking multiple short air trips mm-hmm. um, is as bad as taking one long haul. That's because it's so cheap as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's very cheap. I mean, yeah. The basic problem is that flying is too cheap. Yeah. I would say so. I would say so. I mean, uh, Luxembourg make all their public transport and made it free. Why can't we do that in the UK? <laughs> Because we don't have enough public transport. I uh, mean, you, you need rational, long-term thinking from your government to achieve that. Yeah. There's no, there's no physical impossibility about doing it, but you need to change your, change your planning. Mm. I mean, don't forget, Britain is the country which famously built a motorway yep. to a railway tunnel. You know, Margaret Thatcher built a motorway to the Channel Tunnel, which yep. is a railway line. Yeah. Only years later did we get the Channel Tunnel line to run through into Waterloo. Then they decided it needed to be moved, so now it goes into St Pancras. You know, the, the lack of long-term planning around infrastructure is a really big problem in the UK. Mm. Obviously, there's money involved as well, because if they have to change things, then more money has to be coughed up. So someone is making I money there. I worry less about right? the money than I do about the extra carbon. Don't forget, mm-hmm. one of the biggest causes of, of carbon emissions is, is the making of cement. Mm-hmm. And massive tons of cement are used in all of these projects. So every time you change something involving cement you'll, and knock something down in order to build something new, mm-hmm. you're actually increasing the carbon okay. emissions. All right. So industry basically is 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 one of the uh, worst uh, for for carbon emissions. Is is that what you're saying? Well, uh, some, the the, the making of cement is is yeah. very expensive in carbon. Yeah. Right. Why, why is that? Would you know that? Or um... well, it's because of the heating you have to do to make to make the cement. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. It's it's intrinsic in the process. You can't. They won't be able to do anything about that. Well, you need cement, I suppose, is what they say, and we're doing it in in the most uh, in a way that makes us most oh, money, sure. most efficient, and uh, we yeah, don't care about any carbon, carbon emissions. Uh, is that yeah. so? Preferably, don't knock it down in the first place. Get it right first time. Yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely right. So the World Economic Forum was not not too long ago, um, as you know. They uh, just put out an article uh, which I sent to you, and they say, well, first of all, they said, be the change you want to see in the world, and you know. I fully agree with that. I'm sure you do as well. You, you travel in the UK. Um, you share a car with your wife, which you, which you don't use that much. And if you can, you take a train already. Is that something that, that you could recommend to most people who would be listening to this podcast and people that you meet? Or? Sure. Well, that's easy for me. I live, um, you know, I chose to live in a place that's walking distance from the railway station yeah. on a reasonable line into London. There's a lot of people now with no public transport. Yeah. And if it's not feasible, because I, I, I spoke uh, earlier this week, uh, actually last week, sorry, uh, with a few people to say, well, I've got a family of four uh, taking public transport, taking trains is just too much hassle for me. What would you say to these people? I would agree with them. Um, yeah. I mean, it is it is difficult to travel on UK trains with children. Yeah. Partly because even from here, and I'm 50 miles out of London, at peak times I'll be standing both ways for the 50 miles. Yeah. You can't do that with a young family. No. So what you do? You know, the, the lack of infrastructure, over, of, of infrastructure development yeah. since the Victorian period in Britain has been a, a, a cause of national shame, I think. Mm-hmm. And it continues. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I mean, the idea that we might build a bridge from Scotland to, to, to Northern Ireland <laughs> yeah, I saw that, yeah. is, is just laughable. Um, <laughs> well, I think they were scrapping already, speed, didn't they? Or... Yeah, and we're going to build a high-speed train line to not 20 minutes off the journey time. Yeah. If you think about what could be built with that money if it was built to just move people rapidly rather than at high speed. Yeah. That's what they said as well, isn't it? You could really... You know, make everyone travel for free, basically, here in this country. Uh, if you would not build for that, that kind of money, for yeah. that kind of money, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And they're still going to do it, by the way. So uh, once again, there must be uh, someone that gets a backhander there. I, I would say, but that might be very. I don't think. Thinking, it, I don't no? think that's the case. I no? think they just they like big projects. They like big projects. That cannot be the yeah. only thing. Liking big projects. Uh, yeah. You think? Do you think that's what it is? Really? Yeah. It's LBP. They just like big projects. Uh, okay. Mm. Um, now they, they say at uh, the World Economic Forum uh, there's, there's quite a few ways that you can cut your carbon footprint and they're talking about professionals they're talking about individuals and, and corporations and they say uh, they have six points there first one I just want to go through them with you if you don't mind um, sure. Yeah. when looking for a place to stay look for accommodations that utilize various sustainable standards is that something that you would uh, agree with? Or? I would Obviously, yeah. and how how would you get? But to know I don't that, so, believe. Yeah. I mean, the problem is you've got to be able to believe the standard. So I stayed yeah. in a hotel in Morocco. Yeah, it was apparently a gold standard, certified hotel. Mm-hmm. I went into the room. The TV was on, telling me who I was, which was a bit insulting because I can generally remember. I'm not old enough to have forgotten yet. Yeah, uh, all the lights were on, and the temperature was down at 15 degrees. Now it was 30 degrees outside. Yeah, so basically the you walk into a fridge. Yeah. So I turned the TV off, turned the lights off, turned the temperature right up to 26, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Went out, did my meeting, came back, guess what? Lights Same were thing. on, TV was telling me who I was, and the temperature was down at 15 degrees. Wow. I left that hotel feeling quite ill. Yeah, I can so, imagine that. Not only before because of the cold, I think. Huh? Yeah, uh. that's right. The food was fine, but the cold was hideous. Uh, right, right, right. Then... They say travel So the light. problem there, Peter, is that there's nobody who stands behind the certificate and enforces it. It's just yep. a certificate. It's just... I mean, you could argue that those those kinds of certificates are just fig leaves for unsustainable practice. There should be international standard, perhaps? Is that what you... Well, if say? it's not enforced, it's just a fig leaf, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's greenwashing. Unless the standard is enforced, unless there's somebody I can effectively complain to, yeah. and that hotel will be forced to recompense me, then then where am I? So where should that come from? The United Nations? Or? Well, I think it has to come from... Well, what should happen is that those certifying agencies, uh-huh. I should be able to sue them for misrepresentation, but I can't because I don't have a contract with them. Mm-hmm. So do you think they all misrepresent themselves, or do you think no, that they're trying no, to... No. They'll go on behaving like this and, and, until the law changes. Right. Okay. Okay. So it's just a business, basically. They don't really think they're making a change. Where they're... No, I'm sure they. No, no, I'm sure that they believe they're making a difference, but yeah. I think they need to look very honestly at whether they are. Mm-hmm. If the hotel said on their own websites that they are doing these things and they yeah. weren't, mm-hmm. then I would have regress against the hotel owner, wouldn't I? Yeah. But when it's just a certifying agency that says they, they shouldn't be doing these things, but of course I don't know exactly what they're doing because I never see the the auditor's reports on those hotels. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is completely opaque and I can't take the certification agency to court. 
Right. Did you did you complain to the hotel no, about your experience? No, I have, a, I have a very good reason for why I didn't, Peter, which is that about 10 years ago, I was thinking, I was thinking a massive campaign of getting everybody to go and complain at the front desk whenever this happened. Yeah. But I realized that all that was going to happen was that the front desk would blame the room attendants. Right. And that some of the most poorly paid, lowest status workers in the hotel would get all the blame. Right. And I just thought, there's no point in doing that. Why do I want to make the lives of those people worse? Okay. So I didn't do it. Okay. Okay. That, 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 but obviously, there must be a policy in place that says as soon as someone comes no, back in the room, why, but, you know, put the lights on, put TV I mean, on, and it's make nice sure that you... you to, uh, there can be a policy in place, but if yeah. the management don't actually implement it, or if they actually instruct the staff differently, how am I going to know that? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure about that one. Okay, travel light. They say um, just yeah, like that's obviously true. The less you carry with you on the plane, the less fuel it's going to have to be used to move you. Fair Definitely enough. That's what we light. just said as well. If you carry, if you travel business class, and obviously you take more stuff, and it's necessary for business. Well, you don't have thing. to. Yeah. Well, you don't have sure, to take sure. more. Basically, no. You, you, okay, so you can basically be more responsible in what you take yeah. with you. Correct. Yeah, and okay. of course, older people are more responsible because they can carry less. All the people can carry less? How, how, how yeah, do you see? Obviously. I'm quite old myself now. How do I do that? Well, I carry less luggage now than I used to. Because of experience? or Well, because I'm nearly 70. Yeah. So, so you... I can't carry it so far. It's always a ah, mistake. Oh, because of, ah, because of the... You carry, uh-huh. take any luggage that you can't carry yourself, isn't it? <laughs> you and I both <laughs> okay. okay, fair enough. Travel small, they say. Uh, small is generally better. So, you know, flying economy, obviously, is what we talked about yeah. um, already. Absolutely. If you um, rent a car, look for a small car uh, or electrical vehicle. Well, that seems to be quite difficult yeah. still, isn't it? The electrical vehicle renting. Well, in or... some destinations, it's not. I mean, I yeah. think many people first saw LED lights all those years ago in the hotel room. Yeah. And many people will first drive a hybrid or, or a, um, an electric car when they hire it at the airport. Uh-huh. Okay. It's okay. often people's first experience. Uh, I think we underrate that that part of the travel experience. It's a great opportunity to show people mm-hmm. um, new technology and to get them to be to adopt it. Yeah, that might uh, well that 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 will come into place automatically anyway over the next uh, five ten years. I, I yeah, I think it will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then they say travel slowly. Now I've done that for four years myself, so I, I personally love it. How, how do you feel about that? I love it. It's much easier now I'm retired. But if you've got mm-hmm. an employer, that's very difficult. Yeah, but you get 25 days of holidays here, right, in this country. So it should be possible to take a train somewhere. If you go to Amsterdam or to Paris, why not? Well, partly because it will cost you three times as much as it would cost to fly, and that's because we don't tax the airlines. Yeah. But but no, I mean, if you're just going to have one trip a year. But don't forget, a lot of people are using their holiday time now to... Mm-hmm. Do things like cover the kids' half terms, um, yep. look after sick relatives. You know, those. Yes, there might be twenty-five days, but that's not necessarily twenty-five days free holiday time. Yeah. Okay. So you you think they split it up between all the holidays that they have plus the weekends that they go away as well, extended yeah. weekends. I take it. Yeah. It's, it's complex. Um, then it says here uh, travel regeneratively that means uh, what they say uh, carbon offsetting can be complex but the principle behind them is simple but you do not agree at all from what I understand no look I'm not opposed to people pl- 
slope increase. No, no, but there's obviously yeah, there's, there's various ways, but using uh, carbon offsetting companies, um, no, planting trees is obviously fantastic, I think, but, you know. No, 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 it's much more fun to go and give some money to the Woodland Trust or somebody who knows actually going to plant the tree. Yeah, if you give money away to a charity, isn't that the ending up somewhere that you don't know as well? They say only like... Well, it depends, depends how well you know the charity. Yeah. I, we're, interestingly, we're just in the process in my small town of rewilding parts of Faversham. Right. Now, when it comes around to funding for that, I shall almost certainly put some money in because I'll see that done. Right. Yeah. Do you think that all the money you you put in will go to that project? Well, I'll make damn sure it does because it's going to happen in my backyard. Yeah. It's much easier around my backyard. Uh, <coughs> and it's one of the things I say to to um, accommodation owners when they ask me, or tour operators as well, actually, mm -hmm. when they ask me what they can do, I say, well, if you are going to plant trees, plant them in your own ground. Plant indigenous species, get the benefit of the of the butterflies and birds that will come with that. If mm -hmm. you're a tour operator, plant them where your guests will see them mm -hmm. and where you can make sure that they have been planted and that they're looked after. Yeah. You've yeah. got to make the investment. Make sure it's looked after. Yeah, so you have to have a direct eye on what's going to happen with the money. That yeah. really your advice, because I, I know that a lot of lot of charities that like maximum of seven percent of the money actually ends up where it should go. Um, one of the examples I think was what was it um, Aid for Africa, and uh, I believe that the uh, president of Ethiopia just poured uh, weapons uh, with that money to wipe out whole villages, and it was like one percent actually ended up um, yeah. to where it had to be. That's very sad, isn't it? It is. But you do need to be careful in the money you spend on charities as you don't want anything else. Yeah. Mm. Badly. Mm, fair enough. Um, travel carefully. Um, they say the most important decision that uh, someone who travels uh, for work can make is whether or not they need to travel at all. They say telecommunicating, uh, tele well, yeah, tele telecommuting, um, you know, is not always ideal. Um, you know, we'll be talking here by telephone. It's okay, is it? Yes, but Peter, we... Um we don't disagree about much, I suspect. <laughs> we come from a, a common um, a common frame of reference. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, spoke at an event in London. I'm going to be a bit shady about the details, but it was a, a media e event in London. There was someone from one of the big oil companies there who very much took exception to what I was saying about carbon offsetting. Yeah, We had a, a full and frank discussion um, there, I subsequently sent him the evidence for what I was saying, and I haven't heard from him since. Mm -hmm. Now, I think I possibly changed his mind, but I, I'll never know for sure. But it could only have started because of the face-to-face -face discussion in the first place. Mm -hmm. And there is still a very strong case that if you want to change somebody's mind, a, a direct personal encounter is probably really important. And that's why I still run the panels for for WTM, I believe that they're really important in mm. making people seeing the individual who's making the argument and having the chance to ask them questions, yeah. either while they're on the panel or afterwards. And that cannot be done um, by telecommunications. Okay. A lot can. And, you know, I was never going to come up to London to be interviewed by you for a, for a, uh, a podcast. Mm -hmm. Never in a month of Sundays would I have done that. Even if I was going to be in London, I would not have got on the tube to come out to your offices to do something like this, which can be perfectly adequately done 
over the telephone. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Even though I must, I must say, a lot of people I speak with with Skype, the quality is just makes a big difference uh, from yeah, when they're here in but, studio. But so. a landline these days is normally fine. Isn't it? Landline is absolutely fine, actually. Yeah, this, this quality here is uh, is perfect. Um, I, I must say, so I, I agree with that. Um, Topic, big data. Um, don't know if you have an opinion about that. They say that it's very important uh, uh, for the growth on sustainable, I'm sure they mean responsible uh, travel, um, enables patterns, trends, associations uh, relating to human behavior, interactions, so they can be identified, they can be analyzed, and people can take action. Is that something you agree with? Uh, you know, you do a lot of research yourself, so I take it that you do. A couple of comments. That's a hell of a big question, Pete. Uh-huh. But and I have as I have some of the concerns that everybody has about privacy as well in, yep. in relation to this. But having put that on the record, I mean, the, the other point I'd make is that um, using the internet is not carbon free. Okay. Um, particularly using Google, but I think it's true of all the search engines. You often find the search has been done at two or three different places and then the fastest one comes back to you. It is simply not the case that sitting at your your computer is a a carbon-free activity. We need to remember that. Um, But the other point I'd make is that for a lot of small producers, particularly the ones that I've worked a lot with, the opportunity they now have to directly market themselves is incredible. They could certainly never have done that before the coming of the internet. You know, the fact that I could go online and book a homestay in a township in South Africa would never have been possible before the internet. Mm -hmm. Now, I may or may not like the way in which a few big companies have taken over that space, Mm -hmm. Um, but even so, um, and even if that homestay is being charged a significant commission, it's still getting business it would not otherwise have got. Mm. And that's good, isn't it? Well, I, I think, think that's is, yeah. good. I mean, that that, yeah, that so supports the, the the business and supports the community as well. I would say yeah, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, where privacy is concerned, though, I think personally, I think that you should not. If you go online, your privacy is gone. You should well, just you accept that it. Anything you, you say online it. is public. Yeah, yeah everything you and put you there do it doesn't that, matter if it's a tweet or whatever. It will be there forever. You can delete it, but it will still be there forever. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Um, so privacy is dead as far as I'm concerned. And that's just something you have to live with. But, um, yeah. Well, you make a choice. There are lots of people who still don't engage with the internet. They've made a choice. Really? I've never met anyone, to be honest, that doesn't uh, either take his phone out to, to look at something or latest news. I mean, people don't even watch normal TV anymore. It's all advanced. No. Uh, news, newspapers are dead. Um, don't know how they survive, to be honest with you. Everything everything comes to you directly um, online. Yeah. So, um, but... We can obviously disagree on that, I suppose. Um, They say that uh, they made Donna surveys. I don't know if you... uh, What do you think about surveys, if I may ask, first of all? I get very worried. Don't forget, I'm originally a political scientist. I get very worried about about the quality of the the randomness of the sample. I mean, I get people writing to me all the time saying, can I put their survey online? And I never will, because... The only people are going to put it anywhere I would put it, uh, going to find it anywhere that I would put it, yeah. will result in a biased sample, and that's not proper research. Yeah. Uh, I've done surveys myself. When I first came to London, I did a, a couple of months uh, working in an office where you just have to call people. The only people that actually want to, and officers and um, uh, CEOs that actually want to answer you are the ones that already are 
sold on whatever you're going to ask them about. It's my idea. Well, I have to tell you, whenever I'm asked willingness to pay, for example, yeah. it doesn't matter how cheap it is. I'm always going to say, I want to pay less. Sure. Why would I want to say I want to pay more? Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's a natural human response. I have, you know, a lot of these survey methods are very, um, you need to be very critical of the way you look at the results. Yeah. So if they say, would you pay 10% more uh, if you knew you would uh, travel more responsible, more sustainable, do you think that, that everyone who says, yeah, we would do that, basically you cannot take that as uh, as a fact? No, they're, they're, they're wanting to appear good in the in the view of the um, of the interview. Of the interview. That's a yeah. normal human thing. Yeah. Makes sense. But but the people who really know, of course, are, are the um, the tour operators, the hotel owners, or hotel retailers, and the um, and the booking sites. I mean, they know exactly what happens if you put the price up a pound. Right. So it's just trial and error is what they should do. Just well, like, that's what they do. Yeah. And they know far more about it than we do. Yeah. So surveys are really not necessary. And whatever. Well, no, being... go that far. If it's a properly done um, survey, properly. Mm-hmm monitor its representativeness of the sort that you find often done in the street where people are asking questions about all kinds of different things and it's yep. properly constructed sample then that has some value mm. but the ones which are just done online particularly by master's students are i think very you need to be very skeptical of those right okay last topic last question really um it's, it's about traveling sustainable uh responsible we should say now i believe after this conversation um is it possible to travel more responsible? Oh, it's always possible to be more responsible. Yeah. Um, whether you're being responsible enough is the debate we all had with our parents. Should people use a uh, carbon uh, calculator, carbon footprint calculator, like the uh, WWF I, one? I wouldn't bother. No? I mean, th- no, because I don't know about the WWF one in particular, but yeah. have you ever sat down and just looked at London, New York, and what various different companies and organizations think that is in terms of carbon emissions? Never. No, I don't think most well, people do that either, be, to be honest with you. So. It'd be a fun thing to do. Yeah. Because what you, it's actually in my last blog for WTM. It's on the, I did it then. Yeah. And it shows a remarkable range of different amounts of carbon being emitted by your flight. Right. And then a remarkable difference in the amount of money it costs, costs to offset each of those tons of carbon. Mm-hmm. So you need to ask very firm questions about what, what you're actually really measuring. What you need to know is you cause pollution. Mm-hmm. But Quite a lot of it if you fly in London, New York. But do you think most people would be interested in the difference in pollution that's being caused by your travel? Do you think they would look that up? No, they won't. They won't. I mean, no. That's why some airlines are now telling you. I don't know if you've noticed that, but a fair number of airlines are now telling you how much carbon is going to be emitted. Right. I'm that's sure that's changing. or. Sorry? I'm sure that's changing with all the pressures being yes, put on it. Yes, No, yeah. more, more and more airlines are doing that. And yeah. that at least is reliable information because that's specific to the route and the um, and the aircraft. Mm-hmm. Makes so a difference with aircraft, obviously, as well. Huh? They're, they're, they're talking yeah, about yeah. aircraft without, without windows. Uh, you think that might make a difference? I don't know. I'm not an aircraft designer. But sure. look, I'm sure there are lots of things. I know there are lots of things that could be done retrofitted to aircraft now, mm. which would reduce marginally, significantly over over whole fleets, yeah. would reduce um, emissions. And certainly not all of the things that could be done by retrofitting have been done by all the airlines. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so differences can be made from all sides, from from the consumer side yeah. as well as from the from the company side, yeah. and uh, we should just yeah. work uh, towards that. Um, is there anything? Where can people find you? Where can people find information on you and on on, on the awards well, as well? HaroldGoodwin.info. HaroldGoodwin.info. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Which yeah. has got all of the links to the various. The reason that site was started was people kept saying to me, "We're never really sure what you're up to." So it's all there. <laughs> okay. So it's like a personal blog which has expanded into an information site. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's the, the, all that's Most of the resources are actually on the Responsible Tourism Partnership website, but there's a link from haroldgoodwin.info to that. Okay. Is there anything that you would like to 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 say or anything? That yeah, I guess like one final more? comment. If yeah. we're really ever going to make, make progress on yeah. aircraft, a lot of money needs to go into research. Mm-hmm. And personally, I think if we could find a way of taxing airlines internationally yeah. and putting that that money into research, yeah. that would probably be the single best thing we could do if we could apothecate that revenue and put it into research. And the tax would do two things. It would discourage the airlines from flying except in the most economical possible way. And it would generate money which could be used for research into how to fly more economically in carbon terms. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. And obviously I'll send you all the links um, once uh, I've edited it uh, all together. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. Take and care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, that was the podcast with Dr. Harold Goodwin. It was great to have him on the show. I'll put all the links in the show notes uh, below. You can find the latest news on sustainable, responsible travel, I should say now, on podcast.earth and travelcompanion.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in next time for a travel companion. (laughs) 